Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Write or Die show. I am your host, Randy Lee Boslaw. On today's episode, I am going to be talking to David Essel. Welcome, David. So excited to have you on the show. Randy, it's time. It's been time for us to get together. I am rocking and ready for you as well. Awesome. All right. So uh, tell everybody about who you are. Oh, my gosh. We have about a week and a half because we do a lot of things, you know. Uh, a number one best-selling author, counselor, master life coach, minister. Uh, we have 11 or 12 books out. I can't remember now, but uh, it, it's been <laughs> an amazing ride. You know, I have no background in literature, broadcast journalism, journalism at any degree whatsoever. And the wildest thing, Randy, and what I can tell all of our listeners and, and viewers today is that if you have great passion, like I've been in this business 42 years, um, if you have great passion, you can create the most dynamic life. You know, as a writer, my God, I no experience whatsoever. I wrote books for 20 years before we got any attention. Wow. I mean, my 20 years of writing, we'd sell a couple thousand books a year. And it wasn't until about four years ago. And I think it was our eighth book became our first number one bestseller. Okay, that, so I got time then. What's that? I got time then for mine. Yes. <laughs> I got plenty of time. Because I only published my first one 2017, so four years ago now. Oh, my God. And, and you, know, <laughs> you have plenty. And, and the funny thing is, is that my story is pretty common. You know, a lot of people start to write books and they don't go anywhere. Yeah. And all of a sudden, one will take off. And that's what happened. You know, my friend Jenny McCarthy had me on her show a bunch of times for the first book that went number one. Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life is the name of the book. Oh, I and love it. It, it was great. It's, it's a great, fun book, you know, um, and the subtitle is, but this book will. So we came out with this really powerful title. Jenny McCarthy, believe it or not, Randy, had me on, but she was doubtful that she was going to agree with me. Oh. And she was a huge fan of positive thinking. She loved the secret. She loved the law of attraction. And in the book, we destroy the secret. We destroy I the law of attraction. I think I need to read it because I hate the secret. Oh. We had to watch it as part of our yoga training in level five, I think it was. And I'm watching, I'm like, oh my goodness. I, and I'm I, sorry I, to all the listeners and viewers that love it. I just don't. Yeah. And, you know, we were able to prove how, what and how it's nonsensical. It's kindergarten thought process. You know, it's fantastical yeah. thinking. I mean, listen. For 30 years, I hosted syndicated radio shows. I would have bodybuilders on, um, Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, Susie Orman. I mean, all the heavy hitters. And I would say to them, hey, did you become really successful because of a vision board? <laughs> did you make all that money with your affirmations? Did you win that bodybuilding championship with Arnold Schwarzenegger via vision boards and affirmations? Did yeah. you become a neurosurgeon because you put it out in the universe that you wanted to be one and you became one? You know, Randy, it was, it's, it's just so ludicrous. So we wrote the book, Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life, but this book will, because we wanted people to get an alternative opinion. In the yeah. book, we have 11 killer writers that join me. And what they did was they all put how, you know, years ago they believed positive thinking was everything. Yeah. But then as they matured, they found that it was very small part of success. Now, it's important. In our book, we say that super successful people can rely on their thought process for 20% of their success. Okay. But 80% of their success is going to come from doing what most of us don't have the discipline, the energy, the determination to do. 
Yeah. You know, and, and so we give all these stories, you know, in the book of people that at one time were leaning on affirmations and vision boards and they see it didn't work. Yeah. And then I had to make, you know, a huge apology to the world from 1980 until 1996, I taught the law of attraction. Oh, and really? Yeah. So oh it was a, God. I know, Randy, it was wild. So in 1996, with an interview with the founder of Transcendental Meditation, uh, he just died a couple of years ago, but his name was Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. He became a mentor of mine. And in 1996, I got a chance to interview him and he blew my mind and he blew the law of attraction theory out of the water. Wow. It, it was incredible. So 1996, I had to make this huge decision. You know, do I keep teaching what I'm teaching that people love to hear me on stage talk about? Yeah, it, yeah. Or do I follow my integrity? Yeah. And realize it's a bunch of crap and start teaching it differently. So thank God I followed my integrity. And, yeah. you know, we've, be, we, we, we've really been able to help many people get out of the fantastical thinking stuff and actually accomplish goals. Yeah. So there's a couple of points that I like that you were talking about. Well, first off, again, I don't like the secret, but I love vision boards. I really do. I have one in my room, but it doesn't mean that I'm relying solely on this vision board yeah. that I made. Yeah. Right. But I like arts and crafts. So, I mean, it's fun to do. And it is sure. a nice visual to see. I'm a visual person. Yes, so it yes. reminds me. It's a reminder of what I need to do to just get up and do it. Um, and then the other part that you were saying, talking about how you had to decide if you were going to apologize and switch what you were going with. I think that is so important for people to realize that you can think one way for years. But when you learn new new whatever, new material, new science comes out, whatever it is, you can change your thought process. It doesn't mean that you're a hypocrite. It just means that you've learned something new. So you're changing what you thought you knew. You're 100% correct. And you know, the greatest leaders in the world are constantly updating their belief systems. Let, yeah. let me tell you the most powerful story right now that I can tell you about one of the biggest okay. leaders in our world. Listening. Great idea, Randy. <laughs> one of the greatest leaders in our world who in one of his books actually says he questions his own teachings. And I'm talking about the Dalai Lama. Oh, okay. Of all people. And he says this, he says, as a leader of the Buddhist community around the world, we teach reincarnation as a fact of life. Mm -hmm. He said, but quite honestly, I can't tell you if it's true or not. I can't tell you if what we're teaching is accurate. Mm -hmm. We've done it for so long. We can't prove it. It is, it is honestly there that people are reincarnated and we can't prove it's not. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important for me as the leader of this Buddhist world to let you know that while I teach it, I'm still not sure it's accurate. Ah, that's good. That's where faith comes in. Yes, exactly. You know, and so I just loved his openness, you know, and that's what we've tried to mimic some of these great teachers in our world. Mm -hmm. So when I came out and said, I am so sorry for teaching the law of attraction, I wasn't feeling guilty or ashamed. I was just going, God, I blew it. You know, I believe so much. In it. But here's the thing, Randy, it never worked for me either. <laughs> for 17 years, I never woke up and had, I threw something out to the universe and all of a sudden I'm living on the beach without working my ass off. You know what I mean? It's never really? happened. So you have to say, you know, wait a second, if I'm teaching something and it's not working in my life, <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. then maybe it's time to change. Yeah, exactly. That is such a good point. All right. So let's 
move on because I'm sure that we could keep going on about that specific topic, but we want to get to the heart of the show. And I know you have an amazing story to share with us about your mental health journey. So let's start at whatever beginning you think is the beginning. Yeah, you know, a mental health and right now, you know, it to me, it's the number one scourge in the world today. We're not taking care of our mental health. You know, there's more addiction rising. There's more uh, uh, anxiety, depression, self-esteem issues, confidence issues, relationships wow. breaking down. I mean, it's really, really horrendous. And it all has to do with mental health or the lack of taking care of our mental health. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mentioned to you, I've been in this business for 42 years and, and way before that, I really struggled with mental health. And in my childhood, I struggled immensely. I was an outrageously angry child. I mean, incredibly angry. So I got into addiction at age 12. Well, actually my first addiction, yeah. My first addiction was at eight. When I found that if I could eat half a jar of jelly or jam, when I'm angry, I calm down. Sugar in my brain has a relaxation effect, not an excitatory effect. Mm-hmm. So at eight, I, I was angry. I was just a really angry child. And I went down into our basement in upstate New York. My mom used to can her own jams. I ate oh. half of this huge jar. And all of a sudden, Randy, I felt really good. And, and then it, I had, I, sorry, I just want everybody to know that we've had guests on the show that talk about food addictions. So if you're resonating with something that David is saying right now, I would suggest going back and finding those episodes as well. I mean, you should watch all of our episodes, but go back and find those episodes. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to make that connection for people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sugar is a drug. It has the same relaxing uh, relaxation effect on the pleasure center of the brain that heroin does. Yeah. So when we look at the seriousness of sugar addiction, it is really serious. And then at 12, I was introduced to alcohol. I was on a beach. There was older guys, 16 years old. I wanted to be part of the group. So I drank warm Budweiser and I hated the flavor, but Randy, here's something else. Afterwards, I wasn't angry. So I started to equate my anger with substances to get rid of the anger momentarily. Yeah, especially at a young age. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, You know, but it's it's not as surprising as people think. Um, uh, We have a lot of clients that start smoking at eight and nine. I mean, it's incredible, right? And I, when I was that, like, I think back to when I was that little, I think I, I was a very naive child, like mm-hmm. very naive child. It would never even have crossed my mind to do that stuff. I know. And the world has changed so much now with vaping and everything else. I mean, you know, there's eight, nine, 12 year old kids that are vaping daily. So, you know, and then in my teens, it was just horrendous. I, I, you know, even though I was an athlete, I was on every drug known to man. I mean, in my teens, I was doing cocaine heavily, um, speed downers, anything I could get my hands on because I was so angry at the world. Did and you ever figure that, out what the anger was from? Well, you know, in families that have sensitive children, and I was an outrageously sensitive child, there's no mom and dad in the world that knows how the hell to raise an outrageously sensitive child. Okay. We're just, we're trouble kids. We really, and I mean that sincerely. Now my sensitivity has become one of my greatest tools as a therapist, right? I mean, what's better than to be able to have compassion for every client, no matter what they're going through. So there's, there's a positive side to my sensitivity, but because my mom and dad didn't know how to handle me, Mm -hmm. if if I was angry, there was no outlet. Go to your room. Right. If I was insecure, 
Yeah. If I was insecure or resentful, go to your room. You know, they're, yeah. like, they're, they didn't know how to communicate with me and I'm not blaming them at all. They just didn't know. No, exactly. And so when you have anger from probably age three and you get into your twenties, that anger has a chance to even get bigger. And that's where my addictions went even stronger. So okay. for over 30 years, I was very addicted to alcohol and cocaine. And all of that is mental health issues, which yeah. led me, right? Because I'm trying to self-medicate. Yeah, exactly. You're trying to fill some kind of void that's in there. That's right. And so when people would look at me, you know, and they'd see me speaking in front of 5,000 people and I have people clapping and having a blast, they would think there's no way he could be filled with anxiety, depression, low self-confidence, low self-esteem. But Randy, I was all of those things. I was okay, struggling. Pause with here. What's that? Sorry. Pause here. Just because masking is such a big issue with people with anxiety, depression, tons of mental health. And I know I used to do that. So my big thing is depression. And I used to throw that smile on my face and go outside and do what I had to do for the day. Right. And so it sounds like you were really good at masking. Oh, incredibly. It was so powerful, but it all came crashing down in 1990. And that's when I attempted suicide. I failed, obviously. Um, but, you uh, know, on that, yeah, that was a good failure. You know, on that day, Randy, and I, I say this to people all the time, because of the horrendous shape our mental health is in today, we only get there via denial and procrastination. That's how we get to a suicidal state, you know, is that we've procrastinated, we have denied the anger, rage, resentment, whatever the emotion is inside that we feel so hopeless. Yeah. And so on that day, when I had planned on taking my life, I got right to the point of doing, I had all the materials necessary and then I chickened out and I jumped on the phone and I called every psychiatrist in town and they all told me the same thing. We can get you in in three months. Yeah. Now, here's someone that, just was attempting to kill himself. And I said, you don't understand. They said, go to the hospital. I said, no, I'm not going to the hospital. I need to see someone. So what I ended up doing was I picked one guy out of a, a phone book. I drove to his office. I walked in the door and I said to the woman, I'm not leaving until I see the doctor. And wow. I sat there for hours. And finally he came out around six o'clock thinking he's gonna go home. And there's someone sitting in the lobby. And I said, doctor, I'm so sorry. I've been waiting for hours. I have to see you right now. And, he, you know, literally, Randy, between him and the therapist, they saved my life, you know, and, and, he, and at 1990, from then on, my work with anxiety, depression, addiction, low self-confidence, low self-esteem is through the roof. And we work with people in a holistic way. We use amino acid supplementation to help with brain chemistry. We use emotional regulation techniques to teach people how to deal with anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, low self-confidence. That is so right? important. And what's that? Emotional regulation. That is emotional regulation. so important. Oh, it's, you know, we have videos on YouTube on emotional regulation. It's probably the number one tool in psychotherapy, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, for people that want to get out of the mess they're in, we need to learn how to deal with emotions while they're going on. Mm -hmm. And it's a trick, you know, it's a real trick to learn how to do that. But, you know, we had a woman in yesterday, one of my clients who six months ago couldn't leave the house because of her anxiety. Wow. It was so over the top. She couldn't do anything on her own. And she came in yesterday dancing. Like she is nice. so ecstatic. She's on fire. And there was no pharmaceuticals needed. Yeah. We did therapy work and amino acid supplementation for brain chemistry. And for many people, not all, 
Mm-hmm. Suicidal, definitely see your doctor. Yeah. Definitely see a psychiatrist. Less than that, you could work with someone like me and give these other alternative options a chance. Mm-hmm. But I will say this with you. If we continue to keep our head in the sand, Randy, with the addictions, depression, anxiety, insomnia, PTSD that's happening, you know, we're in trouble. We just wrote an article saying that the world is grieving right now. Oh, that's an interesting way to put it. And it is. The world is in outrageous grief. And I want to make a very powerful statement about mental health. When I deal with veterans that come back from Afghanistan Mm -hmm. and they've been home for five years and they are still suffering from what they experienced overseas, this is my prediction and it's an accurate one. And some people may say negative, but I'm just going to say it's realistic. COVID isn't going away for a long time. That's real. My husband keeps saying too. You know, it's the truth. We can come up with all the vaccines we want and we see we're already having problems with one of the vaccines. We can do everything we want. COVID is going to be here for quite a long time, but here's something even worse. Our mental health, the addictions going on, the anxiety, the depression, the insomnia, just let's even say that I'm wrong, Randy. Let's say in 12 months, COVID is wiped off from earth. Well, we are still going to have a world grieving, just like the veteran that's been home for five years and they're still experiencing the grief from the war. We are going to have people who are not taking their mental health and getting help right now, seriously. Yeah. If COVID is wiped out, they're still going to be struggling with depression, anxiety, and addiction. Yeah, we were struggling with it before COVID. That's absolutely. And so just because it goes doesn't mean the emotional component goes. Yeah. So I thank you so much with this show, Randy, that we are able with your platform to say to people, don't wait for things to change before you start attacking your anxiety, depression, insomnia, addiction. This is the time right now Mm -hmm. is the time to put full out effort into healing so that when COVID does disappear, you're not going to have the leftover remains of the PTSD we're feeling right now. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I want to bring it back to a point that you made earlier when you talked about procrastination and denial being the two things that kind of lead us to those suicidal thoughts. And I myself, I've had those suicidal thoughts. And so for me, um, I did eventually go to a therapist and love my therapist. She's great. Um, and I do take pharmaceuticals. I could take that saying, cause I tried to be off of them. So I am on them. And like you said, for some people, we need that. I also take my vitamin D because vitamin D is so important. Um, But I feel like when I had never heard somebody say it the way you did with procrastination denial. Yeah. I've heard that one, but the procrastination part, because being a mom being at the time I was working in an office as an employment counselor. So I had clients that needed me. I'm a wife. I'm right. So I'm doing all of these things. My dogs need walked. um, And especially so like I said, I'm a mom, but especially I'm a mom to a child with autism. I didn't have time. This is what I was thinking. I didn't have time to go seek out a therapist for myself. I had to be there for my child all the time. Now, yes, I do need to be there for my child, but I cannot be there for him if I am not here. That's right. So when I started having my thoughts of wanting to not be here anymore, I had to make a decision. I couldn't keep procrastinating because that's what I had done. I had felt low. So for me, you know, going down, 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 and then no emotions and that depressed state, not feeling anything, just pushing through each day. 
And I was procrastinating, pushing it off, pushing it off, not telling anybody, putting that smile on, denial, 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 until I'm at work and thinking, when I drive home today, I'm going to drive off a bridge. I can't procrastinate anymore. I can't deny it anymore. So I called my work's EAP, so the, what is it, Employee Assistance Program, and found my butt a counselor. Yeah. And it's actually funny. I had forgot that moment until about two days ago when I was talking to somebody because in my most recent book I'm talking about how I found my therapist and all that and I did not write about the first counselor I talked to through the EAP and I had only seen her I think maybe three times because work EAPs they're, they're all different so I only had a couple of sessions yeah but those sessions are what led me to find somebody who was more long-term yeah but I, yeah, I totally forgot about that. So if you're, if your work has an EAP program, don't feel bad about using it. No. And you know, the other thing, Randy, to follow up on what you're saying, synagogues, temples, churches usually have ministers that can help you with mental health and relationship issues at a sliding scale cost. Yes. So don't let the excuse of money get in the way. You know, I know, I know I, I'm a minister. I know other ministers that work with their congregation who have no money for free. Right. They'll say, come on in. You you need help. We're here for you. That's part of why you're part of the congregation is to see. So if you're struggling right now with anything Randy and I are talking about, do not procrastinate. If you don't have money, you can still find social services. Call the Salvation Army. Call Goodwill. Call all your services in your area and say, hey, listen, I'm struggling. You know, if you're a woman and you're struggling without money, call a woman's shelter. Even if you don't need that kind of help, they can direct you. And women's shelters have counselors for free, for God's sake. So, you know, we've got to really be thinking, Randy, about what you and I are talking about. Um, In the last year, you know, I'm working with two families that have lost family members to suicide. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is absolutely brutal for the families. What the families go through, and I'm not putting any shame and guilt on a person who chooses suicide. That's not my place in this world. But all I'm saying is the people that are left behind, do not try to grieve on your own. Don't try to heal on your own. The same thing with COVID. If you've lost a mom, you know, my mom died 12 weeks ago. Um, and yeah, it was horrendous. It was the worst year that, uh, that I, my whole family's experienced. She died of dementia and dementia is right next to Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, as in my belief system, Randy, two of the worst freaking diseases on this planet. To see my mom suffer at the level that she suffered at for a year was unbearable for all of us. But, you know, one of the things that that has come out of this is that I am openly talking about dementia. And I'm saying to people, as a caregiver, get freaking counseling. You know, my brother was the main caregiver for my mom because they live in a different state than me. And the very first thing I said to him is, please get into counseling. And he already was. Thank God. (laughs) But but he will say, you know, he was part of grief groups for dementia. He went to private therapy, you know, and it's because of that that he's been able to be grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing interesting, and my brother would not care if I said this, you know, I got sober years ago and he got sober four years ago, which I'm so proud of him, but he could have never done what he did for my mom as a caregiver if he was still drinking. Yeah. So the caregivers need help. The caregivers need support. So if you're listening and you're a caregiver for a, a mom, a dad, a child who's sick, a very sick, I'm not talking about the flu. I'm talking about 
yeah. a long time care. Or even have a, a disability. Cause I mean, right. like I said, my kid has autism. So they're not, not, he's not sick. He's not going to die in a few weeks or anything like that, but it's hard. Yeah, okay. it is. So, you know, we've got to drop the, the, the shell that we all like to carry that protective yes. measure. You know, we got to drop that shell and say, I need help. And when you make that first move, it's scary. You're vulnerable. You don't know what the hell's going on. If you've never been working with a therapist, a counselor, a coach, a minister, you, you know, I, just before you, Randy, I had a client, very first time I've ever worked with her. And she came in and the first five minutes, she was nervously laughing her butt off because she didn't know what to expect. And she looked at me and she goes, I've never done this before. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I yes, said, I, I know, remember that feeling. You remember that, Randy? You know, yeah. and, and I said, listen, this is going to be awesome. Let's have fun with this. And we had a great session. But I like the fact that she came in and said, I got to be real with you. I've never done this and I'm scared yeah. out of my mind. <laughs> we don't we don't have to hide what we're feeling, especially when you're going to therapy. The whole point is talk about what you're feeling. <laughs> I know. And, you know, Randy, sometimes with my clients, it'll take them two or three sessions to drop their guard. It yeah. never takes more than that. Two or three sessions. Then all of a sudden it's like, look out. <laughs> Which is so good. Um, so we're, we're getting short on time and I feel like we've only just scratched the surface, but I want to take a quick moment to go way, way back to 1990 <laughs> and talk about, so you, you went to the counselor, you sat, you waited for him, which is amazing. And I don't think a lot of people have that kind of patience, yeah. um, but thank goodness that you did because it literally yeah. saved your life. What did you do from there? What kind of coping skills have you learned in that you find very useful for you? Well, when I started working with the psychiatrist, you know, the psychiatrist only does medication. Yes. So he was great because he did something he never does and that he sat for an hour and listened to me and watched me cry so hysterically. And then he started recommending medications. It took us many months to find the right ones because it can be very hard yeah. to find the right antidepressant that'll work for your brain chemistry because everyone's brain chemistry is so different. Exactly. But, but then, you know, the funny thing was, is that I found this therapist from Germany. She lived in the United States. Her name was Ina. And Ina was perfect for me because she was a badass. And Randy, right. she was a badass. And, I, and she would ask a question and I'd say, I'm not sure. And she'd look at me and she'd go, are you here to heal or not? Oh, I love it. That and is awesome. She was phenomenal. I mean, she broke me wide open, Randy. She challenged me. She did everything a great therapist does, right? Okay. Like she was never rude. She, she, but she would just look at me and go, are you here to heal? Because if you are, you'll answer that question. Yeah, that's you such know, a good point. Like it's people, so people keep in their shell, like you were saying, right? And if you're not going to answer your therapist questions, or if you do answer them and you're not honest with them, right. you're throwing away your money and your time. Yeah. Yeah. So she was phenomenal. And actually, you know, even though I started my work in 1980, after working with her for a year in 1990, I mean, I picked up a lot of her tools and techniques, a lot of her directness that right. I may not have felt comfortable doing in the 80s. But then all of a sudden in the 90s, I, I would do the same thing. I'd have a client. I go, okay, listen, let's knock the BS away. All right. You want to <laughs> heal. I want you to heal. I need your honesty to do it. Let's get honest. And yeah. I started doing things like that, you know, and all of a sudden people were opening up like they never were before, Randy. So yeah. really look for a great therapist, counselor, coach, minister 
if you're struggling in any area that Randy and I are talking about today and go for it, please. That is such good advice. Um, so where can people find your books? Oh my, the easiest thing to do is to go to talkdavid.com. That's my website, talkdavid.com, because all I do, Randy, is talk 24 hours a day. So it's an appropriate <laughs> title it. for my website. All right, so there, you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter where we give away an article a week and a bunch of other stuff, a video of the week for free. Um, you can sign up for our text club. Every Wednesday, we send out a motivational text. Oh, cool. There's over 11 books are there. We have 25 programs on everything from grief to addiction to relationship rescue. Um, so all kinds of programs of people are going through the grieving process right now. Whatever's happening, just go to talkdavid.com. You'll find a program that'll be perfect for you. And I'm assuming you're on social media. Oh, we're all over the place. You know that, Randy. We're just, and it's just my name, David Essel, you know, all over. Perfect. Oh, and the other thing I want to mention, Randy, is that what? from, I mean, for 40 years now, we've worked with people from all over the world. So it doesn't matter where you live, phone and Skype work perfectly uh, if you can't get to my office. Wonderful. And I will have all of those links down in the description below for you to very easily reach out to David. Um, because if you are, if you're wording like, I don't even know who to call in my area. Now, you know, somebody because he'll talk to you wherever the heck you are in the world. That's right. <laughs> right? Um, thank you so, so much for being on the show. Um, it was great. And like I said, we scratched the surface. So if you're open to it, we got to have you come back on because we, I want to dig a little deeper into, you know, 1990s because we didn't really get there, but the conversation was going in a direction that was still amazing. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to change direction on us. Yeah. No, you know what, Randy, anytime we can help you just go right to TJ. He's amazing. He, he's my publicist and, you know, Everyone that works with him loves him. So just reach out to him and I'll be back on it tomorrow at five if you want me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Maybe not that soon because Sundays I try not to do much. But, How about uh, Tuesday? <laughs> maybe. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Randy. I had a blast with you. Wow. That was such an amazing talk with David. Oh my goodness. He has such a crazy experience, such an early age to get into addictions, right? So remember, it, his links are down below in the description. Hit him up, follow along with him so you can see all of the stuff that's coming up, as well as, you know, that newsletter um, that he's got and the motivational text that he sends out is such a great and valuable free resource for everyone. So that is a great way to stay connected to him. Uh, a couple other ways to support the show, of course, so that we can keep bringing you these amazing and awesome guests. Hit that subscribe and like button down below. Share this out to your friends. We do have a Patreon page if you're interested, as well as we do have a merch store to check out with a few different designs that you can get in a variety of clothing. So thank you so much for watching. And remember that the only way to end the stigma with mental health is to speak openly and honestly.